Well, who would have guessed that a hospital dinner of haddock, lightly fried and seasoned with salt and cracked black pepper, could inspire Rick Stein, a chef and restaurateur, who's eaten, of course, the finest food all over the world. But in June 2022, the day before he underwent open-heart surgery, the hospital meal became a source of reflection on the joys of simple food. And his latest cookbook is an ode to the ordinary and the delights of one-pot dishes with few ingredients. It's called Simple Suppers, and Rick Stein joins me now. Hello, Rick. Hello. Good afternoon, Jesse. Uh, real privilege to be talking to you. I'm a huge fan. A Mediterranean Escapes was my book, actually. I've cooked so many things out of that one and, and still make those little uh, oraketi. You've got the uh, recipe for in there. Um, but excited about the new book. And, and, and tell me how it was inspired by that open-heart surgery. Well, I, I, I admit it seems a funny sort of way to start a cookery book, um, uh, writing about a pretty serious operation I had a couple of years ago. But it's true at the time, I suppose I was a little bit tense going into hospital the night before the operation, but was much cheered up by this really lovely dish of just a simple haddock fried with a bit of olive oil and, as you said, cracked back pepper and a little bit of soy sauce a little bit of lemon juice and some chives. It was spring onions, actually. And I just thought, this is great. (laughs) You know, people are always really rude about hospital food, but this is the way forward with hospital food, a simple dish of fish. Then, of course, I had the operation, a bit groggy, came round, and almost the first thing that happened is they, they get you out of bed straight away with an operation like that because they want you to start using your muscles again. Yeah. And um, this girl came up and said, what would you like for, for lunch tomorrow? And it was Sunday lunch. So I looked and I thought, well, I'll have um, I'll have the, the roast lamb and, and mint sauce. And, of course, it was terrible, absolutely <laughs> terrible. I think partly because of the, you know, the drugs I was on, but the, the lamb was so dry and the mint sauce was like yeah. gummy. It was so thick with some sort of thickener. And I was, it, that just stopped, maybe in my slightly delirious state, I started thinking, I really like simple. I really like that fish dish. What a shame. Um, and it started me thinking about doing a book about just really simple recipes. And basically, the premise for the book I worked out right from the beginning was it should be one recipe on a page, no going over the page. No referring in the recipe to other recipes for things like <laughs> or, or mint sauce even. And <laughs> and also keep to a minimum of, I tried to make it five ingredients, but often it was like 10 or 12. And to also make, allow people to use bought-in things from supermarkets mainly. So, you know, I, I'm always if I'm using mayonnaise, I'll say buy in the mayonnaise. If I'm doing an Indian dish with garam masala, I'm just saying buy in the garam masala. Uh, Because what I've come to realise over the years is that actually what you can buy in supermarkets these days is often as good as you can make yourself. And I've said somewhere in the book, you know, if it's as good as, use it. Because time is really precious to us all, I think. Um, And it's it's worked really well. I mean, I'm, I'm really quite... It's sold very well back back home in the UK. And um, I think it's really because people haven't genuinely got time to do anything complicated in the kitchen. So I'm very happy with it. 
yeah, project cooking is all very well, and I love doing that on a Sunday. But I must admit, uh, the heart does sink a little bit when you realise that uh, there's a page to turn for the rest of the of the recipe. So I hear where you're coming from. Um, I love the way I love the way you call it project cooking. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> well, I mentioned your oroketi, and that's a bit of a project, isn't it? You you knead the dough, and then you roll it out, and you cut the little things, yeah. and you you know you're turning them into ears. And I mean, I love all that. And you know, it's funny when I think of that recipe of yours that I that I um, have cooked so many times. I always think of this one kitchen in London that when I was uh, living over there, like I, I associate a place with a recipe, and I, and I wonder if that was the case for the uh, for the haddock and for some of the simple cookery that it actually takes you back a bit and, and maybe activates some of those memories of simpler times. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, what, what, what I like to do in my books anyway is, is if there is a memory there, I will put it at the beginning of each recipe. So I have, as I've always done, each of the recipes in Simple Suppers has got a bit of, a bit of I call it blurb, right? Which is yeah. sometimes I'm just saying why I think this dish is particularly good and what are the elements of it which I really like. But quite often, it's a memory, you know. And I mean, um, I'm actually, funnily enough, in um, the UK now. I've got a new series coming out called Rick Stein's Food Stories. Right, it's coming out next month, and I'm sure it'll come to New Zealand very soon because they're very, very good about showing my programs. <laughs> yeah, we love them. Fair country, <laughs> and um. But but basically, I'm I'm arguing that you know every you know every picture tells a story, done it you know, and every every dish tells a story, and that that's what I really like. I mean, I, I sort of want this simple suppers. I almost like conceived it with an idea of the sort of person that that reads cookery books in bed, right? So I I just although there's like 110 recipes in there, each recipe has got a little intro as to why it's so special. But also, I've got what I rather grandly call essays in the book, which is a series of sort of things about stuff that interests me to do with food. Like there's a whole piece on air fryers and other sort of time saving and energy saving devices. There's a whole piece on why. You know, the, the big fear of salt there's a whole piece of, of the fear of thing so it's sort of like it, it's not just a cookery book it's also a, a book of reminiscences and, and that's why I felt it was fine to start with this really weird idea of a hospital <laughs> experience you know because I, I just think I think even if it's a cookery book it's sort of if it can show what my life is is and what I do, what I think about it, just gives it that extra dimension. We released a, a collection of um, the best recipes from the radio station of, over the last sort of twenty or thirty years. Uh, last year, in a book, it was really popular. And, and one of the things that the um, the editors noted is that the fish dishes were the least popular. When, when they look online at which recipes people go for. People avoid fish recipes, which is a shame, man. Eh? Particularly a shame here in New Zealand when the fish is so good. Do you think it is a, a, a bit of fear of getting it wrong? I, I totally do. And I mean, that's why I wrote the piece, really, and just listed the sort of, in, in it, the sort of things that people don't like about fish. Obviously, the first one is bones, but also when you're cooking fish, the smell of it. But also, I think um, it's... It's funny, I quoted a, a famous, well, to me, a famous author from the 1970s called Jane Grigson, who wrote a lot yeah, of Yeah, love Jane Grigson, yeah. Oh, well, the, you're, I'm speaking to the converted there, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. 
I always remember her. Um, I always remember her talking about the two most beautiful vegetables: asparagus and globe artichoke. And I always think of that whenever I see a globe artichoke. Well, there you go. That's that's exactly the sort of person she was. And I, I, I was lucky enough to have met her. But in this book, she she quotes somebody who, who I, I was talking to her, or maybe she picked it up from a newspaper. I can't remember that fish isn't a proper food for, for men, right? It's the sort of <laughs> idea that you, you know you. You, you need to have meat, you know. That's what proper cooking is all about. And um, as I said, this is extraordinary, really, because not only is fish pr- really good protein for you, it's actually sort of almost b- better for you protein-wise and nutrition-wise than the meat. Um, but I, I, I think a lot of the problem with with fish is that is the way it's cooked. To be honest, I mean, you know, I I, I know New Zealand very well, and I unbelievably good fish you have so it's not a it's not really about the fish itself it's just it's it's just i think people find it really difficult to cook and really difficult to cook sort of sensitively in a way that people people like and um that's been actually what i've been involved in in all my sort of career really is just to say to people look you know keep it simple and it you know fresh don't do too much to it and and you'll be amazed um, how good it, it can be. So, um, yeah, it's one of my little hobby horses, I must say. I'm talking to Rick Stein about his new book, Simple Suppers. You mentioned Jane Grigson. Are you an Elizabeth David guy as well? Absolutely. I'm, I'm you know, one of those questions that people like me get asked is who would you, who would you have for your luck to <laughs> yeah. have for an ideal dinner? And she's always one of them, though. I suspect she might have been a bit critical of what I was doing. <laughs> but the thing about it, I mean, she produced the wonderful books in the 50s and 60s. I think really it was as, as after the Second World War when when people couldn't go to Europe, couldn't go to France, to Italy, particularly as far as she was concerned. And um, she just wrote very wonderfully well. I mean, you, you clearly know these books, Jesse, but it was just one of the... She was a great inspiration, not just because she was writing about fabulous produce, fabulous tomatoes, wonderful prosciutto, you know, great sort of French Provencal dishes like French onion soup. Or she just had this sort of love of food, which she put into in, in, into her writing. And I think it's really quite hard to write cookery books and be a good writer at the same time. And, and she was she was that. I mean, I, I sort of, unfortunately, some of my colleagues of my own age met her. I never did, but I know I, I was. My first book I wrote was in the in the late eighties, early nineties, and um, I was published by Penguin Books. And my editor at Penguin Books was also the editor of um, Elizabeth David in the latter part of her career. And she said to me, this publisher said, called Elio Gordon said. She could be quite disagreeable, um, <laughs> Jane, Jane, uh, Elizabeth, from time to time. She once threw a cookery book at me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My estimation with Elizabeth David just went up. You know? <laughs> tremendous style. I mean, if any of your listeners want, want a good read, I just think one of her, any of her books, I, the ones I particularly like are a, a French provincial cookie and her Italian food. And um, 
she just you know even though it's so long ago i think italian food came out in the last of uh, end of the 50s you're back there you're back in the yeah. sort of in some market somewhere in the mediterranean um and I, she just has this sort of amazing ability to to you know to go back somewhere and make you feel incredibly i must go there i must go to palermo mm-hmm. you know as everybody should in their life i think yeah well, you mentioned coming to New Zealand. Um, you're here for your 21st, I think. Well, I was, funnily enough. I, I was um, travelling, doing my sort of backpacking bit years before backpacking became famous or popular. I was in my early 20s at the time and, um, well, 21. And I hitchhiked. I was in the South Island and I would sort of like thought, I'm, ne- I'm never going to I'm never gonna make anywhere. I, I was, remember, I was in a river somewhere and i thought i'm just gonna have to spend my 21st birthday lying under a bridge you know sleeping in a sleeping bag mm-hmm. and then i got picked up by this guy right in it was called a ford va v8 pilot at the time and he had six sheep dogs in the back of the because i could hear all this bumping and gr- grumping around in the in the back behind the back seat and he let out six sheep dogs when he let me out <laughs> Right at I can't remember the name. I bet you've got it down there, Jesse. Kaikoda. Exactly. Yes. And uh, you know, it was just as if the sun had come out because I found a little restaurant by by the water, and I ordered a lobster. <laughs> Which is and the I home of thought... the home of lobster, home of crayfish in New Zealand is Kaikoda. So you ended up in the right spot for a twenty first, a solo twenty first oh. celebration. Well, isn't that amazing, eh? I mean, and I just couldn't believe, you know, it's almost there is a God, you know. God shined <laughs> on me on my birthday celebratory dinner. Kai Koda, yeah, I remember it well. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Um, you, you've got some and some particular recipes in there. Spaghetti aglio olio, which is a, a real, I mean, that's the definition of a great simple dish. And, and you've also got um, tonkatsu, um, so breaded pork. Um, which yeah. I think you discovered for the first time in uh, Tokyo. Um, is that a hard yeah. one to make at home? No, it's not at all hard. I mean, the only thing really is, I mean, I, I think I've specified in the recipe, you want to use those panko breadcrumbs, mm. which, you know, Japanese sort of really very dry breadcrumbs, which gives a lovely crisp finish. But the other, the, the, the thing about it is the sauce. I mean, I've actually said that you should make this sauce because it's, you know, there's nothing to it. You can buy the sauce, right? But um, it's it, it. What's what's the point when um when it's just a mixture of caramel? What's in it now? Because I've it's I think Worcester sauce, just, tomato ketchup, yeah, and soy and soy. You know, and I mean that's a situation where you do make your own because I've I tried various um various um bought in versions of it and it's just not so good you know mm. not so good and i mean that one particularly for for me is is again the sort of um the essence of simplicity just um pork breadcrumbs tonkatsu sauce you know so sort of what more do you want? Yeah, well, it's, it's, um, it's almost sparks a philosophical uh, debate about what the definition of simple is, right? Some people might think simple is plain, but that's not not the case with that or, or the um, or the spaghetti dish. 
No, I mean it's a really difficult word, and it's what it's a, it's one of those words that people bandy about for all kinds of reasons, right? Um, it's it's almost just it doesn't say anything. It just it's a sort of attitude, really. And I mean the other thing about it was the word suppers, because I remember my Australian wife Sass said, "Oh, suppers in Australia is something quite formal, quite complicated," whereas I've said in the book that, that in my childhood um the meals in the day were breakfast obviously dinner which was lunch right high tea which was a sort of quite elaborate sort of five o'clock meal quite often something like ham egg and chips or 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 Mm. chicken and and salad with not mayonnaise but with um pints uh pints salad cream and supper was something that you just had just occasionally would be m- maybe just a sandwich or some soup um, before you we went to bed um, and didn't have every night that that was on the farm I was, you know, I was born on. But I think the combination of simple suppers certainly for the British audience suggests something very informal and very easy yeah. to make. That was the point. And um it's yeah it's it's, it seems to have caught on quite well and and, yeah the only other recipe i'll mention is the um the lamb steak the harissa lamb steaks we're probably more used to lamb chops here in new zealand i'm sure you wouldn't mind if we uh sub them in and but the reason i wanted to mention that is because uh it's got a chickpea mash and you're giving us permission to use canned chickpeas rick yeah (laughs) well i mean again it's sort of um particularly in that particular uh recipe you know, you're not. I mean, there may be some subtle difference in in buying your own dried pit, chick, chickpeas, soaking them, and chickpeas are a massive long time to soak. Uh, but I'm blowed if I can see it really. And actually, one of the things that you've, you know, when you're doing a book, you sort of you, you get a bit of a craze for certain things. And in my case, it's making mash mash things out of pulses, right? Yeah. Because. I love mashed potato, but I think also if you mash pulses, you can put all kinds of flavors yeah. in the pulses, and 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 make it make make them re- really interested. I mean, in this case, you've got like in in the mash, I've got olive oil, garlic, cumin, um, and lemon juice, mm. and, and a bit of coriander to finish off. But that's a really simple dish. It's interesting what you say about l- lamb steaks and chops. Yeah, I mean, I love lamb chops. The only reason I went for um, steaks there was i was sort of looking for a slightly leaner cut the problem with lambs <laughs> no cut from the leg are yeah. a bit they, they can be a bit tough yeah so absolutely you know new zealand lamb chops no probs or of, um if you're really posh maybe lamb back straps i see them pop up from time to time um oh, that would be good uh, yeah a yeah. bit of trouble finding haddock here in new zealand but maybe smoked kahawai uh, rare bits with spinach um, might be a good substitution. It's summer and people are catching a few of the we call them kahawai. They might be I think they're called sea trout in Australia, but um, yeah. yeah, you can yeah, sub, that, sub something in. I'm sure that would be great. Perfect. Yeah. Well, what a great um, chat, Rick. Thank you for the love you've put into this book. We look forward to seeing the series and come back to New Zealand sometime soon, won't you? I'm sure you will. Well, I used to come every year for a long time, and then um, I just got a bit too busy doing writing books. <laughs> so I'd love to come back. I mean, I, I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, it's very nice to talk to you, Jesse. And I'm very impressed 
with your knowledge, to be honest. Is it all right to say that to a, to a presenter? I don't know. It's a it's a lovely compliment. I'll treasure it. Thank you so much. And um, very pleased to uh, have you producing these wonderful cookbooks. And we'll add this one to the list. Thank you. Thank you.